Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's our Friday weekend show, which means we've got a big, big list of names to tackle here on Fantasy NBA Today. Welcome to the program, everybody. This is, of course, a sports ethos presentation. Now, I'm your host, Dan Vespers. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespers. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Sportsethos.com is the website at Ethos Fantasy B-K is the Twitter feed. Please go follow it. I've been begging you guys to do that all week long. I guarantee you'll be happy you did. It's where? So, just as a a point of reference here before we dive into a bunch of the names, if I'm in front of my computer all day, which is the case sometimes, I'm usually, you know, shuttle driver for children, preschool, all that type of stuff. Uh, But for whatever hourly stretches I'm in front of my computer, I follow... On Twitter, all of the beat writers, everybody that breaks news on, I think, all 30 teams in the NBA. And if anybody pops up that I don't, I'll try to add them to the list, but keep it in a relatively pared-down fashion. If I have to be away from my machine for any stretch of time, 30, 40 minutes, whatever, a couple hours, Ethos Fantasy BK is where I go when I get back. What happened while I was missing? What is the ram- What are the ramifications of that so I don't have to go do you know, an hour of digging when that Twitter feed can do it for me in two and a half minutes. This is why you need to follow that. Ethos Fantasy BK. Check that out on Twitter. Make sure you're getting your news feed from the best fantasy news feed in the world. As you guys know, on our Friday shows, to take you through the weekend, we do a bit of more of a broad weekend review format. Last week, because there were 18 pickups, we just did a pickups show. This week, There aren't. There are a handful. There are a couple that might stretch back a little bit farther, but I'd say like five or six guys made the list for me in the traditional, here's someone that I thought was worth adding over the last couple of days. Yes, I've got some drops. I have a lot of streams. We'll kind of power through those at a a more of a lightning clip. A couple of guys I've put in a new category for these Friday shows called Tough Holds, meaning maybe you don't have to, actually, but here's your argument for and against it. I can't make that decision for you. You know your team better. And then a weekly buy low or sell high candidate that I think makes the most sense, at least compared to, you know, what other smaller ones are out there. You want the guys where there's going to be some kind of profit margin. Let's dive in with the drops, which is kind of like the, you want the bad news before the good news? Yeah, let's start with the bad news. Here are the drops. There are seven names on this list. You guys can... Become irate with me if you like, but I have reasoning behind all of them, and so I'll just drop it on you. And the first one, and arguably the toughest one to put on the list, is Matisse Thibel, whose minutes have been trending hard down since basically Danny Green came back. And I'm surprised, and I know we've talked about it a little bit over the course of this week, but I'm surprised. I thought that there would be a little bit more wiggle room Regarding Thibault's minutes, you know, keep it in the 24 range, something like that. But clearly I was wrong because they have completely vanished. He played 18 and a half minutes yesterday, which was, that might even be a season low. If you go all the way back, no, he had a 16-minute game on October the 28th. At least he still had three steals in that one. Something strikes me as wrong with Thibault 
Like, is there an injury we don't know about? I would say, remember, he missed a bunch of time uh, with protocols between the 4th and the 20th of November, but he's actually looked he looked pretty good when he came back from that because half of the team was out, and he was getting... He played 21 minutes his first game back, then it was 33, 33, 29, and then Danny Green came back, and all of a sudden, the minutes have completely dried up. In his last six ball games, he has four steals and two blocks. That's madness. It does speak to the notion of how hard it really is to maintain his steal and block rate all season long, which is basically, you know, four combined defensive stats per ball game. He's at 2.9 now after this cold spell. And thanks to just these six games, he's now fallen outside the top 100 overall on the year after sitting near the top 50 prior to that, which tells you just how bad these last six games have really been. Atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. I believe he has a grand total in those six games of something like 23 or 24 points. Might be off by one or two there. He's averaging like five points a game over that stretch, if that. I think it's four. Four and change. Under a steal, under a block, under an assist. It's nothing. He's giving you zeros, basically, which is useless in no matter any format. And as much as I hate to say it, he's just on the way down right now. The other names I put on this list were a little bit easier to add, so I don't know that we need to spend a full you know, two minutes or whatever we spent on on Matisse. Evan Fournier, back on my drops list. We had put him at the very bottom of the pickup board last Friday as a possible winner with Kemba Walker being taken out of the rotation, but you're seeing it again. The hot hand stuff continues. If R.J. Barrett's playing well, that's probably going to sting Fournier. If Emmanuel Quickly's playing well, if Derrick Rose is playing well, he's kind of the last man in the pecking order, maybe because he was kind of the last man into town on that team right now. Uh, but no matter what the reason might be, his value is tied up exclusively in shot attempts. So if he's not playing, he's not getting shots. He's not passing the way he was asked to at previous spots. He doesn't have the freedom he had at previous spots. There was maybe a hope that with with lineups being moved around, maybe uh, you'd be okay there with him. But we've seen enough now. You can You can go ahead and dump. Killian Hayes is a dump. I don't know why he was added on a bunch of spots anyway. I just wanted to put him on there because, I, to me, he was an over-rostered player. Sadiq Bey is perhaps a more, I don't want to say controversial player to put on this thing, but at least he's played enough and has taken enough shots so far where there might be people that are like, no, but look at all the things he's doing. And I felt the same way at the beginning of the year. It felt like we needed to give him an opportunity to sort of figure out what his season was going to be. And what we've seen now is that he's one of the three worst field goal percent guys in the league to this point. Which would be one thing if he was, you know, a rookie point guard, but he's a second year 3 and D wing. So that level of offensive inefficiency is simply untenable. He's also missing free throws. Like if, if he was really bad at one, but was really good at the other, maybe we could say, oh, well, you know, mitigating factors and so forth. Uh, everything has just fallen off a cliff. He shot 40% from the field last year. He's down at 35 this season. He shot 84% at the free throw line last year. He's down at 72 this year. I can't explain it. Steals are fine. 
I would argue not as good as we were hoping they would be. Rebounds are pretty good, I guess. At six, that's pretty good for a wing. Assists at two and a half, not awful. But here's the thing. When someone's that bad in one percentage and bad in both, you have to basically be Russell Westbrook to overcome that. And he Westbrook, he is not. Sadiq Bey, toodaloo. Grayson Allen was on our drop chart, I think, each of the last two weeks. I just wanted to sort of hammer that point home because he really just has no offensive role with a healthy Bucks squad. There's no, there's no joy in Mudville on the Grayson Allen front. He's just not doing anything right now. Reggie Jackson was a tough one to put on this list, but I think I have to do it because, well, similar reasons to Sadiq Bey, Reggie uh, going the wrong way. Number 166 now after a couple of really bad shooting games. And more than anything, he's now stopped making his free throws. Which, again, like with Sadiq Bey, we had one season of data to say, well, maybe last year at 84%, maybe that was the outlier. Reggie Jackson's been an 85% free throw shooter or better for about a decade. And he's at 79% this year. I might argue and you might argue, and we'd probably be right, that that number's probably going to come back up, and just the free throw coming back up alone will move him from 160s to probably like 120s or 130s, and that shifts him back into more of a streaming valuation spot. But here's the problem. The hope this year, or, or the new, we knew his usage was going to go way back up, and it is. It's, it's extraordinarily high. He's taking 17 shots a game, which is a career high for him. However, he's also shooting a career worse, 39% from the field. And we keep thinking that's going to come back. And I, you know, by all accounts, it still probably will come up 2 or 3% somewhere along the way. Although the number of three-pointers he's taking is also an egregiously high number. The real problem, believe it or not, isn't the, the field goal percent. The real problem is that he's got the ball in his hands that much and is averaging only four assists Per game. Remember the one year that Reggie Jackson, eh, two in Detroit, where he had legitimate fantasy value? It was after the trade from Oklahoma City back in 2014. He averaged 18 points and nine assists per ball game. Uh, and the following season, he averaged 19 points and six assists per ball game. And that was always the number we were striving for. Get him to 30 minutes a game, get him that ball in his hands. And we can get 17, 18, 19 points. We can get six assists. But here he's at 17 points because his efficiency has been so bad. And only four assists. If the percentages came back, that would be swell. That would get him into a solid streaming valuation. But the way he gets onto a fantasy roster is getting assists up near six. And I just don't see that happening with the caveat he had six and seven in each of his last two games. One of those, mind you, without Paul George. But I don't think that's changing overnight. Uh, and I think we've kind of seen enough now. We're past the great leveling, or whatever I called it two weeks back. The great settling. Last name on the drops board is Spencer Dinwiddie. Sorry, Spencer. You're not playing in back-to-backs, and you ain't good enough in the front half of back-to-backs. You, sir, have been discarded. He was never a draftable guy in head-to-head formats anyway because he wasn't going to play in back-to-backs, and so that's going to depress his totals value a little bit. But he's number 126, which means he hasn't even been good enough to throw in a games cap or a weekly league without 
the uh, the back-to-backs. The universe where he makes sense is like a weekly league where he plays Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, so there's no back-to-back mix in there. You get the full four games out of it, and you're choosing between him and someone with three games who's like a top 100 guy. You're like, all right, I'll go Dinwiddie. He's, you know, 125, 130 range, but he's got the extra ball game. That's the only place he makes sense. That's not a guy you need to sit on all year to drop into a lineup once every three or four weeks in a weekly format. Daily, he doesn't make sense. Games cap, he doesn't make sense. The only way his value goes up is if Bradley Beal gets moved midseason, which is a possibility, but the Wizards continue to win just enough games to where they probably shouldn't. For the fans' sake, for their own team building, or like franchise building, I should say, they probably should, because, you know, this is when you can still get a whole lot. But anyway... Reminder once again, everybody, that this is our first week with a brand new and marvelous partner here on the podcast, our buddies at ThriveFantasy.com. Use promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, when you sign up at ThriveFantasy.com to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to $100. If you deposit $10, you get two $20 contest entry tickets for free, plus the extra $10 of deposit match. So deposit 10, end up with 60 to play with. If you deposit the full $100, you get the $100 deposit match bonus and four $20 game entry tickets. So deposit 100, you end up with 280. Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good from our buddies at thrivefantasy.com. If you want to know what they do over there, they've taken DFS and they've tweaked it. So you don't need to figure out which 13th man on a roster is going to be the cheap guy you drop into your DFS lineup so you can afford to uh, buy the superstar or whatever it is. Then DFS is a bit over my head. But you know what isn't? Prop bets. Those make sense to me, and they probably make more sense to you. If someone's like, hey, do you think Steph is going to score 28 tonight? You can be like, oh, well, I'm just going to look up and see how this opposing team has defended him in the past. Bada-boom, bada-bing. You make your call. You could do that on 10 of the 20 most prominent players on any given card. And if you rack up the most wins, rack up the most points, you get a share of the prize money. Simple as that. ThriveFantasy.com or the Thrive Fantasy app. Prop up with our buddies today. And if you do and help us lock in this partnership long term, I will blow you a damn kiss right through the podcast. So check them out. Again, ThriveFantasy.com. It's so easy to just type that into your browser. And just scroll through. Take a peek. Uh, Again, $10, $60 worth of credit is what you end up with right now. Make sure you use promo code ETHOS or click through on the special link in our podcast descriptions. We've got all over sportsethos.com. Streams. Streams. We're going to move through this one pretty quickly because each one has a reason, and the reason is pretty damn obvious. So you guys don't need me to do ultra deep breakdowns on each of these. I want to save my breakdown time for the ads discussion. De'Anthony Melton, Tyus Jones, obviously streams right now for Melton with Dylan Brooks in protocol. Now he becomes a really robust player to have on your fantasy team. This is what we saw pretty much at the beginning of the year, but now no John Morant either. So De'Anthony Melton should be rostered everywhere. He should be started everywhere. When he sees 24 minutes or more, He's a statistical dynamo. The problem is that when everybody gets healthy, he's probably going to be a drop. And the same story for Tyus Jones, who's been 
quite good of late as well. Lots of assists. Efficiency's been pretty good. Gets you some steals. He's even added a three ball every once in a while. Those two guys are powering a Grizzlies locomotive that has won six out of seven games without John Morant. Go figure. Including racking up 18 steals against the Lakers yesterday. Not surprisingly, Melton had a couple of those. He's always going to have a couple of those. Dude's number 105 in 24 and change minutes this year while shooting basically career lows in both percentages. Those come up even the tiniest bit in when he has this larger role happening. He's the rare guy that can just explode into like a top 40 fantasy player for a couple of weeks. One of the easiest streams ever. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, that's a schedule-only stream. I don't like his fantasy game, but if you can catch the Lakers... Uh, this week, like going Tuesday, Thursday, and then again today, that's a pretty good spot to have done him. On the Nuggets, a lot of schedule-only streamers. Jeff Green, they had a good schedule for a couple days this week. Aaron Gordon, Facundo Campazzo, Monte Morris. I would not use those guys, or THT. By the way, when I say a schedule stream, I mean use these guys when you can cram a bunch of games out of them in a and only have to use one roster move kind of deal, head-to-head, so not Roto at all. Uh, Emmanuel quickly, also a schedule stream for me. He's probably a better option than some of those guys just from a game-to-game perspective. But again, it's going to come down to who's playing the most times in the shortest number of days. Um, Melton and Tyus Jones, by the way, those guys are streamers in every format. Here's another couple of streamers in every format. Basically, anybody on the Hornets that's playing 40 minutes a game right now. So Cody, Cody Martin, PJ Washington, Kelly Oubre. I mean, these guys are all probably on rosters because... The news on the Hornets came out at the beginning of this week, but this is a week-in-review kind of show, so get that going. Kevin Love is actually a schedule streamer right now. Pat Connaughton is a schedule streamer right now. And I think uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is still more of a schedule streamer, although he's pushing to get into the end-of-your-bench ad discussion. I just, I don't know. I mean, unless he has a, a packed week of games, those guys that hover near between 90 and 130, they all sort of end up together to some degree. And Marcus Morris is another schedule streamer right now. He's been pretty good of late, but he's also shot the ball really well, and that's not going to hold forever. The names I want to spend just a couple extra seconds on are the ones that are a bit that are not exclusively schedule streamers. Someone like a Troy Brown Jr. in Chicago, who now kind of has to play 30 minutes with Derek Jones Jr., in protocols as well. That whole team's in protocol. They've been able to sign some uh, injury exception guys, but they're going to give minutes to the dude that's somewhat proven. The question with Troy Brown is, what's he going to do? He has a really well-rounded fantasy game, but he's also going to be way down the pecking order. With or without DeMar DeRozan in, the, in that lineup, they still have Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic. They still have three of their four high-profile guys. They've just been losing all of the fringe players around DeMar, basically. So it's cleared out a fringe spot for Troy Brown. It's a lot easier to make a call on someone like that when you've actually seen a game where they have this particular role. So you can always just wait through the Bulls' next ball game and then make a decision there. If you want to stay in front of the curve... I think I could call him safely a schedule streamer, meaning he makes sense as a head-to-head guy in a good spot for Chicago. Uh, Roto, I don't have the stones to start him before we see what this looks like for one ballgame first. Chris Boucher, if he starts, 
So he makes a lot more sense as a games cap guy because you could add him and drop him within a three-hour window and it doesn't cost you anything. You don't really want to do that in head-to-head, but if we if you can wait until later on and find out if he's going to start again for Toronto and grab him right before games start, you could squeeze maybe a top 60, top 70 type of line out of a starting Chris Boucher. I think I might consider that even over using a roster move on somebody who might be playing two games at like a top 120 clip because, you know, you want to try to catch lightning in a bottle where you can. But yeah, he makes more sense as a games cap roto kind of guy. Garrison Matthews, all systems go. I don't think we need to do a ton of analysis on that. He's just been awesome in his fill-in role. Uh, we'll reassess when Jalen Green comes back, but there hasn't been a ton of positivity on that front. He's just getting evaluated every week. Maybe next week. We'll see. Dennis Smith Jr., Anthony Simons, or nobody. That's a spot in Portland. Again, this probably makes more sense as a games cap type of deal because you might pick up DSJ, and then we might find out that Simons is playing, and then you might pick up Simons, and then you might find out that Dame is playing, and then you might have to drop them both. So that sucks for head-to-head. You could end up chewing up all your weekly moves just trying to pick the right guy, and then there could be no right guy. But if it's Roto, again, you know, a lot of games cap leagues, they operate for next day roster changes, so that wouldn't make a ton of sense. You can't really wait for the news there. But if you got two spots on your team, you could just pick them both up wait to find out who's playing, and drop in the right guy. Because whichever one of them is the starting point guard, provided it's not Dame Lillard, that guy has a chance at a top 50, top 60, top 70 kind of ball game, and that's a big deal for games cap formats. Squeeze those games out of the end of your bench so when a starter misses a night, there's no drop-off. And the last man on the streamer's board... Dwayne Dedman, who at this point to me is now a matchup-based streamer. So yes, makes way more sense as a games cap guy, but you could get away with doing it in head-to-head if you take a peek at what the Heat have coming, which I'll admit, I didn't actually look and see their next few opponents before doing this podcast. That was dumb of me. My humblest apologies in that regard. Uh, But we can do it while we're talking. They've got Chicago tomorrow. Vooch is a pretty big dude, so you might see some extra Deadman. They've got Cleveland coming up. You know he's going to play a bunch there because he did. That was his first fill-in game for Bam. He played 31 minutes. Philly, Embiid, he'll have to play until he fouls out. Orlando, Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr., you'll probably see him there. So there's a pretty good stretch coming up for Deadman where he's probably going to have to play against some bigger centers after... He just got sort of run off the floor by, well, Steven Adams in Memphis, who is a big center, but not one he has to guard necessarily. And then Milwaukee, where they tend to go a bit smaller, he didn't stand a chance against what they had going on. So they yanked him, and Miami actually ended up winning that ballgame. But I think he probably plays a fair amount over the next week or so for whatever that's worth. Our other... Most recent addition to the sponsorship profile here. And again, you're going to hear a lot about these two places for this week and next week. And then after that, we're really leaning into Thrive Fantasy at this point, if you hadn't noticed that already. Uh, But our other newest partner is a returning champion, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, it is the old name. I will continue to remind you of that. You've given enough to your internet service providers. Stop giving them more information about yourself. They're selling your browsing history, folks. 
Don't let them do it. Get expressvpn.com by going to the website, our special URL, expressvpn.com slash hoopball, and get 15 months for the price of 12. You don't have to do anything special if you use that personalized URL, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. At some point, we'll get them to switch it to Sports Ethos, but for now, it's slash hoopball. You get three bonus months on the end of your year-long membership. It's so worth it, folks. It's so worth it. It it averages out to something crazy low, like a few bucks a month, uh, and it protects your privacy. It allows you to basically mask your location, which I know for folks that enjoy streaming services, that's actually a really big deal. Um, last year, I remember, I, I actually didn't know this, they told me, if you mask your, your location on even streaming services like Netflix and Prime Video and Apple TV and stuff like that, you can see different shows like Netflix Japan across different countries. You can see different selections of items. I, I, I believe one of the things that I learned was that you get a whole bunch of anime if you can mask your location and go to different countries, say, in Asia, which is pretty awesome. I did not, I did not know that was a possibility. Um, that particular thing, not what I was hunting for, but I remember when they told me, I was like, what, really? So yeah, it's not the same everywhere. And then for sports streaming services, that's obviously the biggest deal for us. Again, go to expressvpn.com slash hoopball, get 15 months for the price of 12. Thank me later, folks. This is a fun one. This is a great partner as well. All right, guys, very quickly here, the tough holds. Mitchell Robinson, you got a hold there. I know he got bumped down to the bench, but he looked great in that first bench game. Josh Giddy and Alperin Shengun are the guys that are in the tough holds department. I don't know that I even believe what I'm saying, though. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to be the angry, curmudgeonly analyst who says, what are you doing? If you're in a gamescap format, this is a very different beast. You just treat them like they're injured. Don't start them. In any way, shape, or form, you can start Giddy when Gilgis Alexander's out, if you like. But Shengun, you basically can't start him in any situation right now because the game is just too fast. He's catching up a little bit. But more minutes probably doesn't solve his problems right now. Maybe time does for both of those guys. Maybe. Maybe. What do we call it? With Giddy, he'll figure things out. You can already see it. Like, the game speed thing is not what's screwing him up. Free throw percent is bad. Field goal percent you know is going to be bad for a young guard. With Shengun, you'd hope the field goal percent comes up. Free throw is a little bit confused. He has a really nice fantasy stat set, but high turnovers and fouls and things like that, that's also going to bug him. If you're in a head-to-head league where you have to start these guys, Shengun in particular is crushing you. Like, this is a guy who's hanging out near the top 200, and everybody's just like, doopy-doopy-doopy-doo, twiddling their thumbs and waiting patiently for late February, which, you know, I get it, and, like, every week, this is a, uh, a tougher argument to make, but in mid-October, this is a guy getting drafted, and people are saying, sit on him until February, and I was just sort of, I was just agreeing with it, because, like, I can see it, we can all see it. These two guys are going to have really cool fantasy games at some point in their careers. And we're all just assuming it's going to be in February. Now the Rockets have moved Christian Wood up to full-time center. Are they going to slide him back down to the four 
to get Shengun more minutes at the trade deadline? I don't know, man. Wood seems much more comfortable uh, at center. So I get it. We're in December now, so waiting until February is only two more months. But, like, sitting on these guys for four months to start the season is a big roll of the dice. And I don't think you have to do it, even if folks say you do. I know, I know, not a popular stance. And I've been sort of towing the line on this one, which, that's lame. You guys deserve better from me, angry old man Dan. I don't like sitting on, I don't like luxury stashes. I don't really like injury stashes, although you can sort of game plan for it. Uh, Certainly more so with injuries because you can stick a guy like that in an IL slot. But anyway, you know your league better than I do. It always comes back to that. My leagues are too competitive. My head-to-head leagues, I could not possibly start Shangun for four months at top 200 clip. I'd lose. There'd be weeks I'd, I'd lose that I could have won. Anyway, uh, one more shout-out. This is to our pair of longtime partners, Manscaped.com. Remember, the coupon code with Manscaped is HoopBall20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Uh, and mybookie.ag coupon code there, promo code there is hoopball. No other words. It's on the third page of sign up, unlocks various deposit match bonuses. I think a lot of you guys won a crap ton of money over Thanksgiving. Pretty sweet. Let's do the ads. We save the ads, basically, for the end here. A few of these are uh, new, fresh, and some of them are kind of. I don't call them retreads, but things happened that landed these players back out on the waiver wire, perhaps. And I didn't, I planned this show out relatively well today, but one thing I didn't plan out was how I wanted to attack the ads, because it does seem like they should go in certain types of players. So what I want to do, I think now, as I'm kind of getting to it here live, is I want to start with the guys that I think are new to the scene, The the new-to-the-scene ad is one guy this week, believe it or not. It's one guy we hadn't talked about before this week, and that's Terrence Davis, who I see see no massive reason why he wouldn't get to keep his current gig. The reason I thought I saw Harrison Barnes came back, and there was room for Davis anyway. I got that Barnes would come back, and then Buddy Heald, between the two of them, would kind of be too much. Darius, Davis might get the start, but between the two of them, just, there's too many minutes that needed to go around. As it turned out, Buddy Heald just basically got chopped. And I know, again, he was horrible in their last ballgame. Heald was exceptionally bad, even by sort of recent Buddy Heald standards. But he's coming off the bench. He basically needs to be great to stay on the floor. That's what we're seeing right now. Alvin Gentry's like, look, buddy, if you're not great, you're not out there. You're a floor spacer. If you're not effectively doing that, so, you know, there'll be a game in there where he gets hot and hits seven or eight three-pointers, and that might be the game that Terrence Davis does lose out on a bunch of minutes. It just doesn't feel like his minutes are dropping below 23-24 in any given ball game, and generally will sit above that marker. So he's the new on the scene ad. I'm pretty excited about it. I don't know what the rest of the season is going to hold. We don't have a big enough sample size to say this is a guy that just deserves to be an NBA starter the rest of the way. But they like him. Sometimes that's all it takes. 
Everyone else on the ads list is either someone that should have been done a week ago or circumstance. So let's start with the old hat. Alec Burks is old hat. If he's not added by now, your league is nuts. Derek Rose is old hat. I know you guys are not thrilled about this one right now because he's been sort of meh for a few games. But we know what he can do in 25 minutes. That's what we've seen. And he's come real close to that mark without Kemba Walker around. The good games are going to balance out with the bad to get him above that threshold. You almost just have to go blind trust on this one. Uh, and Jay Sean Tate, who got off to a really slow start and then had one of his horrible free throw shooting games uh, Houston's last time out. He's been really good lately. Likely should have been re-added. I'm still mad about that one. We held on to him for so damn long before I was like, screw it, the whole Rockets team is garbage. And then they just moved everyone a position up and everything flipped. Cool. Thanks, Rockets. Thanks for waiting like 15, 16 games to make that move. We held on as long as humanly possible. Uh, maybe you were able to get him back. Very few folks, I think, could have held on longer than we tried to. But anyway, he should have been added already as well. The rest of his names on list, uh, the rest of the names on this list are kind of retreads. I'll just give them all to you. Straight straight through. Uh, Devin Vassell, Chris Duarte, Cantavius Caldwell Pope, who's been surprisingly good so far this year, uh, although he's probably the closest to tipping off of this thing. Josh Hart, Patrick Beverly, and Franz Wagner. I believe every one of the names I just read off is inside the top 100, except KCP. Now, to be fair, there was actually a name I read before that that's outside the top 100. That was Jay Sean Tate because of how horrible he was for the first 15, 16 games this year. Everybody else on this board, actually Derek Rose, where's he at? Yeah, he's just outside the top 100 as well. So he and KCP are kind of in that same, like, right on the cusp. And, and the number 100 is an arbitrary marker. Because 96 is eight rounds. I tend to, to hunt for guys above that line, but it's, it's a, a line that's pretty much in flux. And there are players that are above that that are sort of artificially pushing those guys down. Like KCP, for instance. He's played in 26 games for the Wizards, which I believe is all of them, at a 105 clip. You know, Pascal Siakam's at number 87. He's only played 14 games. To this point, KCP's been better, but let's not even worry about him. Frank Kaminsky is a perfect example of someone who had an opening, played nine pretty good games, and then got hurt. He's not really number 82, and no one expects him to be. There are a handful of guys like that that sit too high where the numbers haven't adjusted for it. Who was the one that was, was it like Davon Reed that was in the first round for a game? Silly things like that. So to, to say the number 100 is the, the official cutting point is a little silly. Nick Batum, for instance, is he above? Is he below? We don't really know what he is right now. I still like him. Pat Connaughton at 83. He's been pretty good, but we know he's going to trend down soon. The point I'm trying to make is not that you need to dump the guys of names that I just said, like Grayson Allen at 93. It's just sort of understanding what you're actually getting there. There are certain guys that are above KCP and Derrick Rose, who, if we wait two weeks, they'll be below them. And there's almost no question. So those guys will probably move up six, seven slots, even if they don't do anything different right now. So the number 100 is arbitrary. I happen to think those guys, the good is going to outweigh the bad for both of them going forward. In terms of these retreads, Devin Vassell, He's been hurt for a while. 
He's only played 19 games this year for the Spurs. He's averaging 24 and a half minutes, and he's working his way back into shape. But he looked really good yesterday, Thursday, in more limited action. And his stat set is developing really nicely. He's hitting threes, steals, averaging just under a block. Field goal percent's been pretty good. Love to see the free throw number come up for him. But he's doing a few different categories. And that is something you look for with those guys that are hovering in that neck of the woods. Now, yes, his number is buttressed by very low turnovers. You're going to see that from guys in the 90 to 100 whatever range. They don't tend to be the highest usage players. Uh, Chris Duarte, who's been thrust back into a much larger role. Remember, he had fallen off pretty good for a bit there uh, as the Pacers got healthy. Pacers are no longer healthy. He's number 159 overall in the year thanks to egregiously bad percentages but his role has increased now and so he's back in good graces as opposed to sort of just like hanging around and having bad percentages on the floor for long stretches no Justin Holiday. yes that'll change things when he comes back so maybe you could argue Duarte's more of a streamer but TJ McConnell probably out for the season that opened up 25 minutes that you know a lot of those are going to go to Chris as a shooting guard they'll just let Brogdon handle the point which he was doing anyway, for the most part. Uh, Josh Hart, I have no idea why he got dropped in some spots, but he did. People were just like, hey, should I? and I got a question about picking him back up again. I'm like, what? Do you, what? Wait, why? He's always going to miss a handful of games. He's an easier guy to have in a, a games cap format because he plays himself into different injuries. He just, he plays so hard. He's a shooting guard that averages seven rebounds a game, but he's basically their distributor right now. He's sort of the de facto point guard on that team. His threes and his steals could each go higher, which is amazing. His rebounds, his assists have been excellent so far this year. I, there's really not much not to like. We still have no idea when Zion's getting back, if at all. So, yeah, absolutely with Hart. He might be my favorite name on this list. Franz Wagner, uh, he's back inside the top 100 thanks to a, a hot spell. There was a question, and it might get addressed. I'm doing a show uh, later today, Friday, recording for, I think, a Saturday release with Josh Lloyd. That'll be on his channel. Um, where one of the questions we got on Twitter was about what what Franz Wagner has to do for the two of us. And again, I don't, I actually don't listen to all of Josh's shows. I'm guessing he doesn't listen to all of mine. We're relatively busy folks. But the conclusion I was able to draw is that neither one of us is fully bought in on him as a standard league value the rest of the year. And it seemed, the questions seemed to be coming from a defensive standpoint, which I don't fully understand why someone's getting defensive about a, a player they don't really know. But here's the explanation. Uh, well, I, I wrote back, I said, look, you know, he had like two really good weeks to start the year. And then he was quite bad for about four weeks. And now he's been pretty good again for about a week and a half. It does seem like, as the case tends to be with young players, He's extremely streaky. He got better when guys went down. And right now, Jalen Suggs is out for a while. So it's quite conceivable that even though they don't occupy the same position on the floor, the minutes, the touches, Wagner picked up, I don't know, two shots a game or whatever it might be when Suggs went down. Everybody split it up and Wagner was like, all right, I'll grab a couple of those. And sometimes that's all it takes. Free throw shooting is pretty good for him. That's good. Floats the fact that the field goal number is a little bit lower. Steals look good. That seems like it might be sustainable. Remember, he was up in that two range early on. It's leveled off now at about 1.2. Pretty reasonable there. He'll hit you a three ball. A couple of assists. 
he's doing some well-rounded stuff on a team that's sort of getting out and running a little bit more. So yeah, I like him here in the short term. I'm pretty bearish on what he is if, this is an if, it's not a when, because we don't, Orlando's giving us nothing. If Markel Fultz comes back healthy at some point, if Jonathan Isaac comes back healthy at some point, that's a lot of minutes, a pretty good number of touches that are going to have to come from some place. Not all coming from Wagner. Some's going to come from Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr. and Chumo Kiki and Gary Harris and Terrence Ross. There's all these guys. They all give up a little bit when guys come back. But again, if you pull even a little bit away from a guy who's hanging on inside the top 100, they sort of drop back into that streamer bucket. And such is the magic of the streamer bucket. Certain guys sort of pop their head up out of the water. If we're going to fill the bucket with water for some reason in this metaphor, and they pop out the top and say, my turn, you know, the fish does a leap out of the water. That's when you stream them. And Wagner's that guy right now. And it might be just because the combination of missing pieces for Orlando has allowed him to step into just a little bit more activity. Also, I would point out, they're better just as a whole team when Cole Anthony is on the floor. He's taken a massive leap forward to where he's now making his teammates better as well. Last year, Anthony was full chucker status. This year, efficiency's been better. Six assists, six rebounds. He's just all over the box score. And he makes guys like Wagner better. He creates opportunities for them to be a bit more open. And then Pat Beverly was the last name on the list. He's never going to be the sexiest name in fantasy. Uh, He's generally despised by (laughs) uh, basketball fans. But he's goofy stat set guy. And you guys know we love goofy stat set guys here on Fantasy NBA Today. He's a point guard who rebounds and gets blocks. Derek White also does that. But uh, Derek White, you know was going to cost you a little bit more on on draft day. Thank goodness for that by low. Patrick Beverly is never going to be Derek White because he's not going to take enough shots to do it, but he's going to get rebounds. He's going to get assists. He's going to get threes. He's going to get steals. He's going to get blocks. Uh, He's going to do it on low turnovers. And right now his numbers are sort of a little bit artificially pushed down by the low minute count during injury games and coming back from. I don't know that you can actually have Beverly on a head-to-head roster. You can, just know that you're going to have to drop him when he injures his next hamstring or groin or ab or whatever thing he's going to Josh Hart his way into. Or, I don't know. You could. Those two guys are interchangeable in how their seasons go. The arc is always the same. They play so hard. Guards that rebound. Hashtag guards that rebound. Should also have the hashtag, hashtag guards that miss two weeks at a time for nagging injuries because they just, when you go in there and you're grabbing boards and you're leaping that high and you're crashing into big dudes, they're going to take some bumps it's different when they get landed on by steven adams versus john morant the pain is different (laughs) i know that those two guys like what is it 50 60 pounds something like that but there's just a a a, you know a steelness to nba big men when these guys crash into it they wear it and then boom they're out 10 days you know sore groin whatever it might be but I still like Pat Beverly, especially games cap. I think he's someone you flip on your bench as soon as his minutes get rolled back up into the mid to high 20s. Then you drop him back into your lineup. Simple enough. And the buy low is the one that we mentioned earlier in the week. It is Bradley Beal, who simply at this point could not be any worse. 
And the longer he hangs out in this clunky area, 89 is where he's at right now. The longer he's down there, the cheaper you'll be able to get him. Question is, how long do you want to wait and roll the dice on it? Do you wait another week, two weeks, hope he stays in that 90 range? Because every week he's down there, you probably only have to give up, you know, five slots deeper. Right now, you could probably get him for someone in the 40 range. Two weeks from now, if he's still there, you might be able to get him for some, you know, 48, something like that. At some point, if he doesn't start working his way up the board, you'll be able to get him for, you know, 50, 55 range dude, which is, you know, that's a pretty juicy proposition. I think going and get him for a 45 range guy right now is useful. Someone actually like Devin Booker, who basically we've talked about this, uh, Bradley Beal is profiling a lot like Booker this year. They've somehow turned into the same guy, mostly because Beal, who had been a pretty good shot-blocking guard and a better steals guard, those have drifted away. 1.2 combined defensive stats. The shooting percentage down a bit, but not, you know, not an extraordinary amount. The turnover is very high. He's just turned into Devin Booker. The three-pointers in particular is really a weird twist here on the Beal thing. Not that he was going to be a guy that hit you like three and a half or four three-pointers a game, uh, but you know he's been at two and a half, basically. Last year he was at 2.2, which was a bit on the low side, but his attempts are down, his makes are way down. The whole thing just screams weird. And maybe he does turn back into a 44% shooter from the field. You know, that's what he was the first few seasons of his career, but I can't imagine... Three-pointer, the three-point percentage is down 10 to 15% over some seasons, 11 over his career mark. Free throw number's fine. Turnovers, rebounds, assists, those are all fine. Steals and blocks are down. It's just a strange, strange year where I do think taking a shot that he climbs back into that Booker territory, and then if the, the steals come back and the threes come back, that's how he pushes past him. But I don't know that I would go any higher than that right now, which I, I know sounds crazy, but like if you look at guys in the 30s, I don't think I'd give those I don't think I'd give up Zach Levine for Bradley Beal right now. He's sort of like what you'd want Beal to be this year. Two and change three pointers, not much defensive stats, better field goal percent. That was supposed to be the bottom for Beal, but the bottom has fallen out. I don't think I'd go any higher than that. Unless you're talking about someone like a Gary Trent or an Al Horford where you're like, okay, yeah, this is really quite good, but odds are they'll probably peel off a little bit. It doesn't have to be a ton. But I still think you can go get him. Friends, thanks for another wonderful week here on Fantasy NBA Today. Please take a moment to drop a five-star review on the pod and check out our four incredible partners right now. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball. ThriveFantasy.com slash ethos. Promo code is ethos if you don't use the special URL. Um, MyBookie.ag, promo code HoopBall, and Manscaped.com, promo code HoopBall20. We will be back with you on Monday, reverse chronological lightning round. We loop it all around and do it again. I'm Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Hit me up if you want to be a recruit here at Sports Ethos. Otherwise, we'll just uh, talk basketball. Sound good? Okay, great. Have a great weekend. Talk to you Monday.